you know, they'll get a cut. But I don't know. Something to think about. Anyways, speaking of thinking about shit, are we ready? We ready? I think we are. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Four. 30 in the morning. This is your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. 57. Yes, episode number 57. C.J. Mosley. <laughs> right? Does he play for the Steelers? No, he plays for the Jets. Yeah, I was going to say. He why was we, on the Ravens. Why are we talking about C.J. Mosley? He was he's a number, Raven and a, he's a Jet. He's number 57, I'm pretty sure. He was okay. He's not bad. He went to the Jets where he languished. Yeah, I really wanted the Browns to get him when he uh, became he, a free agent. He was drafted by the Ravens, wasn't he? Yes. He's, he from, he's nuts. from Alabama, right? Yes. Linebacker. Yeah. Solid player. You don't hear about him because he's on the Jets, but you heard about him when he was on the Ravens. Yeah, he was a big part of that defense. Anyways, you got any news today? Yes, I have three news stories. You got three news stories? I got two quick ones, but then I got I got a guy I want to talk about real quick after our news stories. Somebody I'm not sure if we've talked about before on the show. Sure. So I'll let you get started if you don't mind. So this one's my more complicated one. This is from Newsweek. Okay. Physicist at the Large Hadron Collider at the European Organization for Nuclear Research, or CERN, have reported the detection of neutrino signals in a world first for the particle-smashing machine. Neutrinos are fundamental particles of the universe, meaning that they are not made up of any smaller components as far as we know. Scientists have been hunting for neutrinos for years, and special detectors have confirmed their presence before. It's thought that if physicists can learn more about them, they can answer some of the most pressing questions in physics, such as why we live in the universe of matter and not antimatter. But neutrinos are notoriously elusive. This is in part because they are incredibly Incredibly small and light with a mass hundreds of thousands of times less than of an electron, which is hardly gigantic. This means that they can pass through almost everything they encounter. It's thought that trillions of them are passing through our bodies and out the other side at every single second. We know that some neutrinos are created in the heart of the sun, and others should also be created when the LHC smashes particles together, the Large Hadron, Hadron Collider. Yep. Collider. But to date, scientists have never detected a neutrino that has been produced by the Particle Collider. To get around this, researchers have designed a special particle detector called Phaser that is meant to be attached to the LHC and detect these neutrinos. The final product is due to start taking its first measurements sometime next year, but in 2018, the team installed the prototype to take to some earlier measurements. So, pretty crazy. That all went completely over my head. I just can't believe that we can figure out this type of thing. It's like... It's like it's almost like discovering like magic. Like I don't know. Seriously. Like that's the only way I can really describe it. And I think it kind of alludes to the, the fact force. That this is the force right here. Basically, but it alludes to the fact that we don't really have the first clue about what's actually going on. Absolutely. And all we can do is kind of detect and guess, basically. Yeah, it's a pretty long article. You guys can uh, get more into it. We can post it on our Facebook page from Newsweek. That one is out of Newsweek. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. There's so much going on with that Large Hadron Collider. It's got to be, like, the one of the most interesting things that modern man has created, as far as I'm concerned. It's ridiculous. I don't even understand it. It's, like, it's like miles long. Like, it's And it just, like, shoots these things. I don't know. I heard it was, like, the biggest machine ever assembled. I think it is. There's multiple colliders, but this is the biggest this one. This is the big one. The Big Daddy. The Big Daddy. Anyways, that's a pretty interesting news article. Hopefully that comes together pretty well. My first news story comes from news5cleveland.com. Oh, boy. Now, this one's going to be out of Akron, Ohio, though. So I guess it's, it's in the Cleveland area, kind of. Sure. Local plumbers prepare for Brown Friday with expected spike in plumbing nightmare calls after Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's the busiest time of the year, but not for reasons you think. Jeremy McCoy with HJAC 
plumbing and heating company in Akron says every Black Friday his team is overwhelmed with calls about plumbing nightmares. The day is so overwhelming it is often referred to as Brown Friday. (sighs) Everybody's out shopping and we're generally cleaning up messes for people, he said. We're one of the few companies to actually answer the phone all the time. McCoy says most issues reported are preventable, but it starts with protecting your pipes. People think the garbage disposals are garbage cans, and that's your biggest problem. Now, the article gets into some (laughs) other stuff that I'm not going to get into, but... It's pretty funny. He basically did a breakdown of everything you're not supposed to put down your drains and how people just do it anyways. See, I'm very paranoid about what goes in the drain. Like, if it can be thrown out, I'm throwing that shit out. Yeah, definitely. I'm trying not to stuff my shit down my pipes. You definitely don't want to put Drano down your pipes. Yeah, although I've done that before. Don't ever do it again. I know. (laughs) Anyways, Brown Friday... That's hilarious. Very suiting for that area. Yes, exactly. I don't know. See, I was thinking as we more about Thanksgiving bowel movements. Me too. That's what I was thinking. He probably decided to save us from from that kind of thing. Yeah. Anyways, that's, that's my first news story. That's pretty dumb. No, that's that was a good one. I liked it. My second one is from CNN. Your favorite, Pat? Yes. Peruvian mummy that's at least eight hundred years old, found by archaeologists in Lima. A mummy estimated to be between eight hundred and twelve hundred years old has been unearthed by archaeologists in Peru. At the site near the country's capital city of Lima, researchers from the National University of San Marcos found the preserved body underground in the middle of the town square at the archaeological site of Caja Marquila, around 25 kilometers inland from Lima. The mummy was tied with ropes and with its hands covering its face in what researchers say is a southern Peruvian funeral custom. The age of the mummy means it dates back to pre-Hispanic times and even precedes the Inca civilization who established Peru's best-known citadel of Machu Picchu in the 15th century. The discovery of this resonant sheds a new light on interactions and relationship in pre-Hispanic times, said Pieter Van Dalen Luna, one of the archaeologists who led the excavation. He told CNN the mummy was most likely a young man between 25 and 30 years old who had come from the mountains to Caja Morquilla, formerly a bustling commercial center in the pre-Columbian era. The, ex- the excavation work began in mid-October with a team of 40 people led by Van Dalen Luna and fellow archaeologist Yomira Hauman Santillian. And the discovery came as a surprise because they were not searching for a mummy. The whole team was really happy because we didn't think this was going to happen. We didn't expect to make such an important discovery. Another unexpected find were several marine mollusks. Mollusks? Can you spell that? M-O-L-L-U-S-C-S. Mollusks. Mollusks? It's like a clam or a... Hmm, marine mollusks outside the tomb of the mummy, which Von Dylan Luna said is unusual given Caja Marquilla is about 25 kilometers from the coast. After the body is placed in the tomb, there are constant events and activities. That is to say, their descendants keep coming back for over many years and placing food and offerings there, including mollusks. Llama bones were also found outside the tomb, and this was commonly eaten by people of the time, so pieces of llama meat would have been offered to to the deceased. It was pretty crazy. 800 to 1200 years old? That's old as shit. Yeah, and I can't figure out how all these... Pre-Inca? Damn. Yeah, and I can't figure out how all these different cultures that were isolated were still, like, mummifying their dead. Yeah. You know, we see that in North America. We see that, obviously, in South America, obviously, Egypt, among other places. And according to the official narrative of history, those cultures would not have any had any contact with each other until, basically, the second millennium. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Crazy. That's, that's interesting. That's a really good one. Yeah, it's from CNN. Anyways, that was a really cool news story. Again, you've always got the good archaeological... Try. I'm trying. Yeah, that's some good shit. Speaking of good shit, I got a great news story coming Uh up. Let's hear it. My next one comes from Fox2Now.com, which is the Fox affiliate out of St. Louis. 
However, this story is actually going to take us across the pond to Britain. Hmm. Dozens stuck in British pub with Oasis cover band for three days after storm. I think I saw this. Dozens of customers who stopped for a drink at Britain's highest altitude pub got a longer stay than they bargained for after the building was cut off by a blizzard. 61 people woke up Monday after the third night at the Tan Hill Inn in Yorkshire Dales, 270 miles north of London. They have been unable to leave since Friday when a late autumn storm brought snow and heavy winds that felled power cables and blocked roads. The pub sits 1,732 feet above sea level and is used to being cut off by bad weather. Manager Nicola Townsend said that the staff had organized movies, a quiz night, and karaoke for the stranded guests. No shit. They have also been entertained by an Oasis cover band, Noasis, <laughs> who have also been stuck at the pub since their gig on Friday night. So they're stuck there with that Oasis cover band. Oh my god. Townsend said that the guests were in really good spirits. They formed quite a friendship, like a big family is the best way I can describe it, she said. Townsend said that she hopes the people will be able to head home later Monday once roads have been cleared. See, I personally wonder, so they got this Oasis cover band hanging out with them. Could you imagine, you're there for three days. Uh, could you imagine them up there on the stage playing the entire time? Like, no, you ever... I'd, be, I'd be like, okay, am I getting paid for the three days for this gig? I would or, hope so. Like, did they, like, okay, so if this place... Uh, if this usually happens at this place, like, do they have, like, beds and shit? I guess that they they keep the place well-stocked in case this type of thing happens with at least food and booze and whatever. So it's basically just like a three-day party for these people. That's pretty sweet. What it turned into. Honestly, I, I wouldn't mind that. I could imagine just waking up every day because Oasis has that song called Morning Glory. <sighs> could you imagine... Time to wake up, all you party people. And then, like, morning glory starts, and it's like, bum, 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 bum. Yeah. And it's like every fucking day. That's hilarious. Just, you know, you get to, like, maybe skip work or something. Yeah. It's like you're stuck at a bar. Yeah, see, I enjoy, like, survival situations, so I'd probably be having a really good time. I'd also probably be pretty drunk pretty quickly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, but... you can't drive anywhere. Exactly. You got nothing else to do. There's you no might excuse. as well get drunk. Exactly. You might, as well, you might as well start drinking. Anyways, I thought that was a really good story. That was a good one. And that's my last news story for the day, but I do have one interesting thing after, after the news, so. This one will be quick. This is from our favorite odd news. Awesome. A deer breaks into New Hampshire school, leaves antler behind. Pretty funny. Police responding to a potential burglary at a New Hampshire elementary school said they responded to find the suspect a deer was still inside the building. The Barnstead Police Department said officers responded Sunday afternoon after a citizen reported seeing the glass front door of Barnstead Elementary School had been shattered. Police responded and much to their surprise saw a 10-point buck inside the school lobby. Police and firefighters attempted to capture the suspect, but the deer smashed through another window and escaped on its own, the post said. The buck, the buck left part of an antler behind inside the school. Facebook so post said police in nearby Goffstown responded to a similar incident on the same day when a deer broke into an auto repair shop. And that's the whole article. So apparently this area has issues with... <laughs> it's a chronic issue. A chronic issue with deer breaking into schools and auto shops. Now the good news is that hunting season is starting to open up across the country. So I think it's been archery season in most places for a while now because archery season is prolonged. But there's only like, like seven days worth of gun season. See, that's where Tim needs to be. Yeah, but that's crazy, dear. That, that, that's funny. I, I was scrolling through Odd News, and I just saw a picture of an antler. <laughs> <laughs> if I were the deer, I'd be pissed that I lost my antler. Yeah, Could you ten, imagine? Ten point buck. That's pretty big. That's like that's like your crown yeah. if you're a deer. That's like your that's like your shit, man. Anyways, I got one quick thing, and I'm gonna hand sure. you I'm gonna hand you a piece of paper if that's okay. Sure, go ahead. Have you ever heard of George Blanda? George Blanda. 
George Blanda is... I can't, I can't say that I have. ...is an NFL Hall of Famer. Okay. He was a quarterback and a place kicker. <laughs> he was drafted in 1949 in the 12th round out of Kentucky. Back when they had 12 rounds. Yeah. He played for the Bears, the Colts, the Bears again, the Oilers, and the Raiders. And he didn't retire until 1975. Wow. So he played from 1949 to 1975. Jesus. He was the NFL Man of the Year in 1974... He was a three-time AFL champion, a four-time AFL All-Star, a first-team All-AFL. I guess he was never really good in the NFL. This is all AFL. Now, we're going to look at his statistics for a second. Not very good. He had a completion percentage of 47.7%. He had the AFL record for 42 interceptions thrown in a single season in 1962. However, he has the NFL record for 26 seasons played. He was also the oldest player to ever play in a game. I think he was 49 when he finally retired. Unreal. They were built different back then, man. Like 48 or 49. Now, he was only 335 out of 639 in his field goal percentage. He was only making 52% of his kicks. But they still line them up for 639 attempts. Jesus Christ. Now, what was ridiculous with this guy is he was a quarterback that could also kick. But later on, he was a, a kicker exclusively because he was so old. Yeah. But, like, in, like, 1974, the Raiders needed a quarterback. And he ended up suiting back up. And he was, like, a 47-year-old <laughs> out there slinging the ball a little bit. Well, his extra point percentage is pretty damn good. Yeah, he at least made 98% of his extra points. He had seven touchdown passes in a game. Which, that's tied with Peyton Manning. Yeah. That's he, hilarious. He holds the record for extra points made. No one said since then has made more extra points which i find that hard to believe yeah like you would think that it's hard to believe he only Vinatieri. has twenty six thousand yards yeah <laughs> yeah mind you they probably didn't pass the ball as much back then well he threw more interceptions than he did touchdowns yeah it's all, unreal it's not good that 47.7 percent completion percentage is rough how did this guy win any awards he's in the hall of fame he's only in the hall of fame because he played so long i guess but i just found this hey, ridiculous kudos to this guy to just continuing just to play you know yeah and you can find like pictures of him like like in his like last season and he literally looks like a 75 year old out there in football pads yeah, it's no ridiculous shit. so that's george blanda i would hate to have his back and knees and joints when he was how old was he 83 yeah well he Ooh. lived until 2010 that's pretty good yeah that's unreal he was born a year after my grandpa yeah anyways that's george blanda for you that's fantastic and now it's time for the main topic aliens part eight part eight is that right is it aliens part eight i think we're on part eight i think we're on part eight so obviously due to popular demand we're back with another alien episode yeah you guys seem to like our alien episode so we're just gonna keep dishing them out yeah that like i said that aliens part seven it just keeps going up it's in the top 10 all time so we're gonna do another one we'll see if this one ends up being as well received as that one was Definitely. I'm not going to lie, I'm better researched on this one than I was on that one. Now, before we get into it, what what is going to be the frame of this of uh, this week's discussion? So, basically, in Aliens Part 8, we're going to be discussing what are aliens, where do they come from? Like, different theories of what are aliens, like, where do they come from? Yeah, kind of like the origin point. Yeah, the origin of aliens. Because you're going to find, as you get into this research, there's lots of different people that have lots of different ideas as to what, what the aliens actually are. Right. Obviously, a lot of the ideas 
revolve around well they're just highly advanced civilizations from another planet sure that have the technology to travel here but we're gonna find that's a pretty vanilla discuss or a pretty vanilla conclusion because like okay you can you can have that theory but it's like how are they getting here it's a lot more complicated than that yeah so to me it seems like there's like scientific discussions where it's like scientists trying to solve the problem sure or somebody that's rooted in like physics but has also had a witness or witness something that they couldn't explain sure so they've kind of come to the conclusion that they just must have more technology than us but then you got other people that get into like i guess more or less occult explanations like they'll say that aliens are similar to alien or uh, angels and demons and devils and all that sure shit. and then you got people that talk about like how mythology is actually talking about aliens like how the ancient greek gods are actually just aliens mm-hmm. the sumerians are the big ones where the sumerian creation myths i have a i have a theory about the ancients so we i've got a whole bunch of different shit I, it goes from the kind of the mundane to the, kind of the ridiculous so sure do you want to get started with this one sure so earlier i was kind of talking talking to you about the great filter theory yes and well I, this isn't really a theory about how, where aliens came from this is it, it, it's all relevant okay. so basically so scientists have estimated that the universe is what three four or five billion years old based on research they've done on like meteorites and shit sure is that the earth or is that the universe i'm guessing the universe i think it's the i think it's is just that the earth? earth because i think earth has always been dated around five billion years i think okay, sure now assuming that the government doesn't have evidence of aliens or anywhere else i i, I think we i think the the french or the british might have something but assuming why the french or the british i don't know <laughs> okay well didn't didn't the french get those communications didn't, didn't they pick up something in like the 90s that was huge maybe it was in one of those documentaries you told me to watch oh okay <laughs> maybe they did that i don't know yeah anyways there, there there really isn't concrete evidence of the existence of aliens so where that so what the hell are they where the hell are they sure and um and why haven't we made contact that's a big thing why haven't we been able to make contact and yada, yada, yada. Sure. So a theory suggests that the great filter is a force or an event that stops a civilization from reaching interstellar communication or travel. Now, if this theory is true, then we have two explanations for this. One is that societies kill themselves before they reach interstellar travel or communication. Sure. Or two, interstellar travel or communication is just not possible or is not possible on a technological scale. Okay. So that's the great filter. So you have to think, okay, maybe we're just not past that quote unquote great filter yet. Sure. Sure. Now, kind of what my theory is, is the Great Filter has been broken. Oh, okay. it, it was broken. And we did reach the technology to travel and communicate through the cosmos. And that the aliens that we see today are us, are humans, and that we have traveled back in time. And they are trying to make sure that we are continuing the progression to where they are at that time. You understand what I'm saying? Yes. But they don't, but they are subtle because they don't want to screw up the trajectory. They don't want to screw up the events of time to where they get annihilated or sure. they, or they don't happen. Sure. So, oh, okay. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It's kind of so, like, it, so when you, when you think of the ancients, it's like, okay, they go back in time just to, to move the ancients along just enough to where we can keep progressing as a society. Sure. And we get to where we need to be. So that's kind of my theory as far as the the great filter okay. debunking that. So they don't want to screw it up because they can destroy themselves. That makes sense. That is a little interesting. So I believe aliens could just be us in the future. It's as good as anything else I've got. 
I'm not gonna lie. Um, there are <laughs> Honestly. there are theories that I've heard about that kind of play along that idea to an extent. There is something that I'm gonna get into a little bit later where it's like you need to like make like a like a jump into another dimension to achieve space travel. Well, that's where I get into wormholes because if you think of Einstein's theory of relativity, that creates the possibility of time travel through wormholes. Sure. So basically, a wormhole is essentially a tunnel-like connection or a bridge through space-time. Okay. So these bridges, so they basically they connect two different points in time. They create a shortcut that could reduce time and distance between you know locations where you want to go in space. Makes sense. And these are also called the Einstein-Rosen bridges. Oh, okay. And Rosen, which is another physicist. And in relation to Josh Rosen. Probably not. Hopefully not. Maybe. Maybe he's a descendant. Oh, God. That would that explain a lot. <laughs> anyway, sorry. So that, that could be how they're getting here. You know, that's a, it's, it's part and, of almost every big theory is the wormhole right. hypothesis. Now, have they proven if those exist in nature yet? Based on the theory of relativity? Sure. It basically has to, I, okay. think, I think. That makes sense. I'm not a physicist, I'm so not it's hard for me to answer that. I'm not either, but that makes sense. From what the videos I watched and the things that I've read, yeah, basically. So, And they they basically prove bat- black holes exist, too. Sure. And now, mind you, these things are very... Uh, I'll be getting into a little bit more later, but... Um, they're very fragile, okay. apparently, okay. these bridges. And they can collapse, and I guess they can almost turn into black holes. Sure, and that's interesting because there was one thing I've been reading about a little bit, and I don't know, again, the physics go over my head, Yep. but there's a concept that gets brought into the alien discussion a lot called zero-point energy. I don't know if you've heard of that one before. Yes. Which is essentially you can bring in energy around, like there's energy everywhere, like it exists even in outer space. You can like harness molecules of energy, even if it doesn't seem like there should be energy energy there now in that type of situation you need somewhere to for it to start i don't know if that's a zero point or whatnot but basically it creates limitless energy is basically what the idea creates right and when you talk about wormholes it's all about like bending space around what else is going on yep i wonder if that's part of it probably makes sense to me i don't know the physics get kind of dicey i wish i was smarter with physics but i struggled in high school physics so it wasn't really my strong suit you know if you think about it information and technology has improved over time through history sure through certain individuals sure and because certain individuals have a higher level of intelligence than everybody else it could be that aliens have placed their intelligence into these specific people okay i can kind of get along with that a little bit you like that i don't know it's <laughs> it makes you wonder it does make you wonder because think, you, think about it like when einstein died wasn't his brain still like the brain of like a 20 year old it, it, like his his brain was completely fine like, i never it, heard it, that it wasn't it wasn't even aged but the it, guy i want the guy i'm thinking about is tesla nikola tesla yeah that guy too holy hell yeah. the shit that he had ideas for yeah that guy if that guy was in a world that received him better that guy was basically an alien he would have been the greatest mind that we've ever seen i still think he is in probably in the top three but he, he didn't care about money he just cared about his ideas his, his ideas ideas and yeah. progressing the world forward and it didn't fit but then again it challenged an awful lot back in the day because his concept of electricity was off the wall like he could generate electricity from the ground and just create a device that could receive it well boom there's limitless power crazy anyways i've been watching this thing on nicholas Tus- or nikola tesla a little bit mm-hmm. this week so that's where i've been kind of on him a little bit i'm gonna find you that thing on einstein's brain okay that's i think you'd like it yeah i'm gonna i watched it on youtube like three four days ago sure and yeah, it's pretty interesting 
That sounds like some good shit. Yeah. Anyways, you ready for my uh, first my first hypothesis? Let's get into it. So basically, with the alien discussion, the question we're, that we're kind of asking today is, where do they come from? There are lots of theories out there that say that aliens or UFOs that we see originate from the planet Earth, but they're still cr- operated by extraterrestrial entities or extraterrestrial is a weird word alien entities non-human intelligent life is operating these things so this theory my first theory is that aliens are living amongst us basically sure or amongst us maybe not like interacting with us but still on the planet earth so when you get into where are ufos seen a whole lot a lot of times they're seen on the water Mm -hmm. i think there's like 20 percent of sightings are above an open body of water basically lots of which the the ufo comes out of the water and there are plenty more where the ufo is underwater but it's not a ufo because it's not flying so it's a unidentified submerged object a uso Mm. but there's a lot of theories that a lot of the things that we are seeing originate on the planet earth so whether the aliens have a base or bases on the planet earth is usually where it starts but there's a lot of people out there that believe that the aliens have actual bases on the planet earth and to be completely honest i kind of go along with this one pretty heavily sure now there are a bunch of different places where theorists speculate alien bases might exist most of these bases are joint human and alien bases meaning humans and aliens work together for some cause at a joint facility norad norad hasn't come up on my radar as one but it could be one i'm trying to think there's not a whole lot of established bases that we're familiar with that come up on the radar as joint human alien maybe that nazi base in antarctica see antarctica is where i want to start because antarctica is seems to be the most significant for a lot of different reasons There are so many different stories out there about scientists that have worked in Antarctica that have come back just completely different people and like, I cannot talk about what was going on down there. Now, obviously, even in a scientific operation, most of the time there are military personnel sent to support the operation or to keep it secure or whatever's going on. Because you got to think about it. Antarctica is so remote and people don't understand how remote Antarctica is because it's so far south. And when you look at the globe, the globe isn't actually a, a sphere. It's much more of a potato. Sure. So you're going really far down. Right. To get to Antarctica. You're in the ass end of nowhere if there's ever been an ass end of nowhere in the planet. Number two, the conditions are ridiculously inhospitable, at least on the surface. So that is the middle of nowhere. You need some hardcore. You need the best of the best down there. Definitely. Just to get anything done. Now, there have been stories about Antarctica being inhabited by aliens since the Nazis back in the 1930s and the 1940s. There are stories of New Schwabenland, which if we have not covered that on the show before, I feel like we had to have. New what? New Schwabenland. I can't spell it, but it's the Nazi base on Antarctica. Where they were creating, like, there was, like, basically, like, their, like, time capsule where they were going to try to preserve Nazism. Mm. Essentially, not, the Nazis did a lot of work down there in Antarctica. They'd spent a lot of time down there, laid a lot of infrastructure. After World War II, there's questions as to whether or not that infrastructure survived. And there's lots of stories out there where the infrastructure did survive. And that Nazism persevered in Antarctica back when nobody else was going to find it. Now, those stories also coincide with them having help from aliens. Which, if you look at Nazism as an ideology, it incorporates extraterrestrial entities in the foundation of the ideology. It doesn't get talked about a whole lot, but it's part of it. So then you look at the 1960s when research, like Americans started doing research down there. There were tons of stories where somebody came back and was like, I can't talk about what we saw, but shit, we saw something crazy down there. 
Now, there's an investigative reporter named Linda Moulton Howe who is still out there, and she's doing research on this type of thing right now. So this Linda Moulton Howe woman has been doing this type of work, this Antarctica type of research. She's been interviewing people that have been, like, working down there and whatever. And there are a lot of stories where these people are talking to her, and they're like, hey, we rescued these scientists that were supposedly missing. And when they came back, they just wouldn't talk to us at all about anything. So she's down there, and these, these scientists are like, they're not talking. They're like, oh, we can't, we can't talk about it. The CIA was down there. Guys in suits in the middle of the fucking tundra shut down our operation. And she talks about this on a documentary called E.T.'s Among Us 2, which is on, on Amazon Prime. It's just a documentary. It's like a E.T.'s Among Us. But what's funny is... You see me carrying around these these fucking books all the time, the Jim Mars books. Jim Mars is featured on the first one, but he died before the second one came out, so he wasn't featured on it. So she's been talking about these interviews that she's had with these, she calls them the Spartans, who are they're unidentified military personnel that wanted to talk about the project. Spartans. Yeah. But then I, like, I can go on Reddit, and I can always find posts of people that claim to know somebody who worked in the military and was like, yeah, I can't talk about it, but you wouldn't believe what's going on down there so and again just given how isolated it is and also given the fact that you're not allowed to go there it's illegal to go to antarctica right now but john Kerry was down there back in back when he was still secretary of state he went down there to see what the fuck was going on religious leaders are going down there a lot of people are coalescing down there for what reason aliens exactly oh i guess apparently underneath the surface of the ice there's like volcanic activity so it's actually quite warm if you can like find like an ice cave it could like be like reasonably warm down there so you can survive yeah i guess that's a big part of it too and it is a pretty big continent like people, people don't understand how big this continent is so antarctica is huge yeah anyways so that's antarctica there is one more in alaska the alaskan pyramid that i think is an alien base supposedly in 1992 china did an unsanctioned nuclear blast where they knew that they were going to blast off this nuclear weapon, but the world leaders couldn't do anything about stopping them. Of course. So they tested this nuclear weapon, and it was like one of the biggest ones ever dropped or whatever, or used or fired off. And geologists were like, shit, well, if they're going to do this, we can at least track it to see like what kind of waves it sends through all the rocks. Because you can see like what kind of rock is a is a wavelength passing through, or a vibration or whatever, because that's going to create a, a ton of vibration that they have last. Right. So they were testing that, and they were like, shit, you know, in Alaska, we got the outline of a pyramid underneath the surface of Alaska, and it would be twice the size of the Giza pyramids. So they're like, that's pretty interesting. And the, the area Giza pyramids are the the tallest Giza pyramid is like seven hundred feet, isn't it? Closer to four hundred and fifty or five hundred. It's not it. seven hundred. I don't think it's seven hundred. Anyways, so basically they had this. They they found this signature of a pyramid. So the, the, a news story was ran in Anchorage, Alaska, about this, about how scientists have found a pyramid underneath the tundra in the middle of the state. And there was a there was a military intel guy. I can't remember the guy's name, but he was out there. And he had been, like, establishing himself as military intel in the area, so he was looking at maps. So you notice there was one part of the state that, on every map he could find, said has not been surveyed yet. So he had no idea what was going on out there. Mm. He saw the news story and was like, shit, I just saw this crazy-ass news story that is exactly where that, that not surveyed yet area is. So he was waits He waits for the next newsreel to run because he figured that this is going to be huge news. The Chinese setting off a nuclear weapon. Now, bear in mind, he didn't have any... He didn't know that the Chinese were going to be setting off this nuclear weapon at the time because that wasn't big news for everybody. It was just certain people that knew about it. And what year was that again? 92. 92, okay. So then he was like, shit, this is crazy. So he went down to the news station. After after a day went where the news story didn't get run again, he was like, hey, you know, yesterday you guys ran this news story. I want to find out more about it. And they were like, we didn't, we didn't run that news story. Don't ask any more questions. 
as he's walking out of the building, apparently either a young staffer or an intern walked up to him and she was like, hey, you know that thing you just asked about? We did that shit. It ran. <laughs> but basically the men in black showed up and took the tape away and said that we cannot talk about it. But you're, you're right. It ran. You ever see those creepy videos of the men in black? Like there was that one video of the hotel. Yeah. Where they walk in. Yeah. And they're they're so creepy looking, man. Yeah, Tall. Exactly. They have like hardly any face. That's not that's not human. There's nothing human. There's about no that. there's no way they're human. Anyways, so that whole thing went down, and then a second guy showed up on the scene asking about this, and was like, "Well, he didn't see the story, but he had heard a story from his father, where his father was a teacher up in northern Alaska that got invited down to kind of look at the facility because he was ex special forces back in the day. So they were like, "Hey, you know, we got this thing. Don't talk about it, but." Since you're in the area and you you were kind of onto the, our 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 case a little bit, here's what we got going on. And this guy ended up verifying basically the entire thing that this this other guy ended up verifying. So two separate people yeah. that didn't know each know about it were both talking about this black pyramid in Alaska. That's now, unreal, man. They ended up reaching out to that woman I was just talking about, Linda Moulton Howe. For this one as well, which is kind of weird, and this was going on back in the 90s. So she's still on the scene, and what was weird is I was watching these two completely, I thought they were completely unrelated documentaries, and she pops up on both of them. And I'm like, where the hell have I seen this face before? So she's talking about the Antarctica shit and the Black Pyramid in Alaska shit. But she's a reasonably well-credentialed journalist. She's onto it, man. So she's onto it. Yeah, now, there are people that think that she's kind of crazy. I don't know. I don't think she's as bad as people think that she is. She thinks that Bob Lazar is disinformation. Damn. I don't know if that helps or hurts her credibility. But she thinks that Bob Lazar is like a, basically a government plant. Bob Lazar is pretty credible, in my opinion. See, he either is or he's a government plant. She he, thinks he's a government plant. I mean, I could, I can see arguments for both. Sure. Maybe, but... Anyway, so that's the second place where apparently an alien base exists. Now, she had remote viewers look look at the Black Pyramid in Alaska. The remote viewers came back and said that it's an alien base. Of course. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if that helps. But on this documentary I was watching called The Alaskan Triangle, which is a Discovery Plus documentary, mm-hmm. they talk about that whole thing so anyways the other place i want to talk about real quick in terms of aliens being on earth is in new mexico the place is dulce d-u-l-c-e new mexico which is near the colorado border it's northwest new mexico Mm -hmm. there have been rumors about there being an alien base down there for years since the 80s basically a lot of ufo activity a lot of people talking about going underground in that area lots of rumors about there being a ufo base or if not a ufo base a joint alien military operation down there and that comes up a lot new mexico comes up a ton and everything that i read about like even the remote viewers will tell you that there's an alien base in new New mexico somewhere makes sense so near roswell it's in the same it would be in part of the same thing i guess there's a lot of caves in new mexico Mm. so maybe all the caves are connected or maybe even deep down there's a whole big system because it's also kind of sort of near where that weird ass humming noise that you were talking about in the one episode yeah yeah it's all part of the same area no, that's a few hundred, that's probably a, few, a hundred miles from where that humming's at, but it's close enough. Now, is that just a coincidence? I don't know. I don't think it is. Anyways, so my first theory is that aliens exist on Earth in some capacity. Some people say that they've been here longer than humans have. Maybe we're the aliens. Maybe See, I, I kind of think we're the aliens. I kind of sort of think the same thing. Or at least, I think we were genetically engineered. I think that they saw chimpanzees and were like, we can do something with this. Maybe chimpanzees are native and they were like, we can do something with this. So they manipulated genetics. Neanderthals were a failed specimen. (laughs) 
we ended up being the one that worked out the best or the longest lasting. Right. Because there is not a whole lot of genetic overlap. There's a little bit between Neanderthals and humans, but there's not as much as you would think about or you would think there would be. Right. If they sprouted off. Like, why, why does one stop abruptly and then the other one kind of start up abruptly? Right. It is really weird. Definitely. So another one of my theories is basically universe obviously is billions and billions of years old. Sure. And we don't know how aliens act. Maybe they are just as reckless as humans and they have destroyed planets of their own or other alien civilizations have destroyed civilizations of their own. But they're so intelligent that they've been able to travel through the cosmos and whatnot. Sure. And they've been able to just move and they've been able to, you know... Basically, what's the word I'm looking for? Transmigrate. Uh, yeah, just migrate to different planets, right? Sure. What if, kind of what you were saying the other day was how Mars possibly used to be occupied with civilizations or with, you know, alien life. Sure. Maybe Earth is the next planet that they put life on and they're just trying to continue life and they're just observing us. That makes as much sense as any other theory that we have because you think about it this way, there's no... There's no we can't define hum- or, uh, aliens at all because we really don't know who the hell they are. We don't know who the hell they are. We don't know anything. And then you look at Mars, for example. There are lots of people that think that aliens existed on Mars at some point, but something happened with Mars that the planet became inhospitable. Right. Maybe it was a mistake that happened. Maybe the aliens did something wrong and they destroyed their planet. Or maybe something happened to the planet that they couldn't control and they were forced to leave. And I think they are here and they are observing us and possibly helping us just enough to where we can reach the technology to where we can take our civilization to another planet so that life continues to progress. Sure, exactly. And you look at, I mean, obviously that's a theme in science fiction, but there is no, there's no... There's no evidence to say that there is never been life on Mars. Right. We just haven't explored enough. And even if we have explored enough, the fact if, if they found something incredible, it has to get through such a deep filter of information get disseminated to the public. Right. And even as late as like the 1950s and the 1960s, it was it wasn't assumed, but it was thought that there's no reason why Mars could not have life. Right. And when you look at the scientific opinions of what's going on around Mars, even like Phobos, for example, are you familiar with the moon of Mars, Phobos? Mm-mm. You got Mars has two moons, Phobos and Deimos. They're basically, they look like small asteroids. They're very small moons. Mm-hmm or they don't fit in well with everything else that we know about moons. And it was almost an established scientific opinion that they had to have been artificial satellites, Phobos and Deimos. Mm. Now, who the hell shot up a satellite to Mars? We don't know, but even Carl Sagan sat around, and he was an advisor to Eisenhower, I think, at one point. And this is back in the same timeline where he was claiming that Phobos had to have been an artificial satellite. Who puts an artificial satellite around Mars? Right. Probably the species that was from Mars to begin with. And there's a lot of other people that will tell you that structures have been seen on the Mars and on the moon. We can't really verify that because we're not sitting there in telescopes and it's all a judgment call at the end of the day. We're not going to know until Elon Musk gets there. Exactly. And finds out. But it all boils down to basically a judgment call as to what's going to get told to the public. Right. Because not everybody's going to be looking at all these telescopes all these times. They're going to have access to all these images. I don't know. I just think that it's crazy. It, it's possible. And then you look at Venus, for example. And the one guy I wanted to talk about real quick is George Ademski, who was this Polish guy, like this Polish-American guy, who claimed that in the 1950s, a guy named Orthon came to visit him from Venus and talked about like, nuclear war and all that shit. And who isn't to say that Venus, which we know was like a gaseous planet, 
but has a solid terrestrial surface. Maybe there is an example of a planet where greenhouse gases got out of control and became inhospitable. Yeah. We didn't that, know That's any- what I'm saying. And then they had to flee and they had to go to Mars or they had to go to Earth. Or they had to go to Earth or whatever. And then even like the remote viewers talk about Mars as if it's a planet that got devastated by something like an asteroid hit it or something and destroyed the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. The remote viewers talk about it. There's a lot of different theories that say the same thing. And there's all there's also people that claim that the Greys are like the ancestors of the Martian race. Mm. That the Martian race ended up coming to Earth. So we could all be Martians. Possibly. There, we, there is no, there's nothing that says any of this. That's the problem. And then you look at what's going on with Mars. We've had asteroids from Mars or like little like meteorites hit from Mars. Yeah. That contain what appear to be biological fossils. Yep. Which, how do you explain any of that? And isn't a lot of the surface of Mars, um, they they detected water. Yes. Like it they, used to be all water. They, they have detected water and there is, at certain times, it has been confirmed that liquid water exists on Mars. That's huge. Now, it might not be all the time, but they do have polar ice caps, and they were able to track what's going on with those polar ice caps, and it doesn't melt into liquid water, even on that surface so far away from the sun. So That's huge. If that's on the surface, we don't know what the hell. we And we have no clue what's going on underneath the surface of the planet. Because the biggest issue with Mars right now is that it's too cold to inhabit. Exactly. It needs to be heated up. Exactly. And, you know, if polar ice caps can melt, that's like the first step. It is the first step. And then all we really got to do is maybe set off a bunch of nuclear bombs around it and heat up the atmosphere around I don't know Mars. if that's the best way to do it, but <laughs> there are other options available. But then again, too, we don't know what's going on beneath the surface. It could be a whole lot warmer down there. If the planet, if, if Mars is geologically active, that means volcanoes exist somewhere. Sure. Which means that there could, in theory, be a heat source that's planet-based that could heat up the planet enough to sustain life, as we understand it. I'm not saying that's what's going on, but it could be. Dude, we got to go to Mars, bro. We do. I really. <laughs> if, I'll tell you what. If I could take a one-way ticket right now, knowing I'm going to die on Mars, but I'm at least going to go there, I'd sign up right now. Really? I would. Knowing sign up, you would never come back. I would sign up for right now. Could you imagine me the first person in humanity to live on Mars? See, I would want to go, but I'd, I'd also want to come back and share my experience. Yeah. And show show what, what it looks like and sure. you know how everything is. Sure. See, I would just want to go. I don't care. I would go. But I would definitely like go back. And... I'd like to come back, but if it was a, he had this option or you don't, I'm gone. I'm going to fucking <laughs> Mars. I don't care. Hey, fuck it. Anyways, so that was mostly your theory, but that also squeezed in my second theory as well, that aliens come from the solar system somewhere, basically. Right. And there's a lot to look into with the whole idea of martians now it's been speculated forever there's always been stories about little green men living on mars Mm -hmm. so we really don't know but that is a tangible place that we could get to in theory where we could have a ton of answers right now are the answers actually going to get here we don't know but if i i'm positive that if you land on mars you're going to see something there's gonna be some remnants of something somewhere i agree that's gonna say intelligent life has been here at some point that's my opinion anyways what else you got for this episode i mean that basically covers most of the big theories that i that that i can think of like i said i i lean towards that we are the aliens and the aliens have that we have come back in time that we have that we have figured that out sure and that we are basically 
nudging ourselves along and that the aliens we see or the big green alien head things that are just us sure. that are just hyper intelligent that we don't need these muscular bodies anymore we just have brains that we become this super intelligent being sure that we are able to go back in time and hopefully nudge civilization along to, to where we're not annihilated yeah and i get that to an extent now the next guy i want to get into real quick might have something to say about that theory this is a guy named drum Melchizedek. D-R-U-N-V-A-L-O. The Melchizedek is spelled like the Bible. M-E-L-C-H-I-Z-E-D-E-K. Who, he's still alive. He's a guy. He claims to be some like esoteric prophet, basically. And he says that in 1972... He was just some guy who got possessed by the spirit named Drumvalo Melchizedek. And the spirit is like some interdimensional being that is using his body as a vessel to tell the world about spiritual enlightenment, basically. Mm. So he's basically a spiritual enlightenment guru type of guy, like a new age guru. I'm not going to say cult leader, but sure, he might fall on those lines. This guy claims that the earth is multidimensional and that humans are only on one wavelength, but there's a whole bunch of other wavelengths out there. One of his students named... Bob Frissel also has done a lot of writings like talking about like what this guy talks about. And this Frissel guy goes on to say that the wavelengths of the earth or of existence are kind of like piano keys. So it's like you're on one and then you jump to the next key and then you jump to the next key. But like A and B are close together, but A and C are kind of farther apart. Mm -hmm. And then like A and G are different. And then you got the black keys and the white keys. Right. So he kind of describes it. He says that's the best analogy you can come up with for the scale of wavelengths that existence exists on. The problem is that humans are only on like the A key. Mm. That's what all of human perception is, is just the A key. But the B key can kind of be close to the A key, but it can't jump the overtone. So it's really complicated shit. Now there's Jumvalo Melchizedek guy. He claims that we are sharing the earth with other beings. So they're, they're also here. We're sharing it with them. Now he gets into a whole bunch of shit where like extraterrestrial beings exist like beyond our planet still. So he's like doing, basically he's saying there's stuff going around that we can't understand on earth. But all that shit's going on across the universe as well. Mm. Now, he claims to be an interdimensional traveler. He claims to have gone to, like, Sirius, the, the star system Sirius, which is a couple of... I don't know if it's a two-star or a three-star system, but there's stars out there, Sirius. It's the, a big-ass star, too. I think there's I think there's two or three. I think mm. it's, like, a, a two- or a three-star system. Okay. And then you've got the Pleiades. I don't know if you've ever seen the Pleiades. If you look up in the night sky on a really clear night, you're going to see them almost every night. It's like a little... It looks like it was like a small cloud of stars. Mm. And you can see them like in our area even, even with light pollution. Mm. It'll probably be like six or seven stars, but it's a really, really small cluster. Sure. That's apparently where a lot of aliens come from as well. But this guy claims that his Melchizedek persona has traveled to all these places <laughs> and is like, is like grounded in like the knowledge of these people or these aliens. Now the aliens are spiritually enlightened, meaning that they can, tr they can jump between the multiverse basically. Sure. They can jump to the different overtones mm. and interest. Basically, according to him, they observe humanity from one overtone higher than how we exist. But if we were able to jump to the next overtone, if we looked at like the Earth, like the sky, we would see nothing but crazy spaceships. And that overtone is so crowded that aliens are at a second overtone observing us because they're curious. So basically, some humans haven't reached like their apotheosis, if you want to. Most call it that. haven't, but according. <laughs> According to this guy, his mission on Earth is to get humans to make the multidimensional jump, basically. Mm. And he talks about different spiritual leaders as either being good at helping humans or bad. He talks about Jesus as if Jesus was one who was really good at helping humans make, this, make the jump from the three-dimensional realm beyond that. But he also insists upon the idea that 
basically what you think about, you have to control your thoughts. Because on the three-dimensional world, what you think about doesn't matter, but your actions matter. On the next overtone up, your thoughts create reality. So we have to master our thoughts on this realm, because up there, you think about something and it happens. You've got a lot more control over reality up there. Damn. And it's really bad, obviously, if you can't control your shit now in the three-dimensional world, you can't go up there because you're going to be fucking shit up all the time. Right. Now, he says that it's very important to for humanity to make these jumps, these evolutionary multidimensional jumps. Now, we're getting helped by a group to do this because apparently, and I can't figure out this part, there's a vested interest in humanity making the jump for some reason. I can't figure out why. Well, and, again, maybe it's just the whole agenda of keeping civilization going. It could be, but it seems like civilization is going to do pretty well without us. Sure. I don't know why they want us to make the jump because, okay, so Melchizedek claims that dolphins and whales are spiritual beings equal to humans, but dolphins and whales can make the jump. They're a lot farther evolved uh, than us. Whales can definitely make the jump. Yeah, but apparently dolphins can too. Mm. Not to be feared because humans have help. From interdimensional light beings, Hmm. who apparently are like the masters of our universe. They're kind of like angels. If you think about angels, I think it's the same concept. But they're keeping like tabs on humanity, and they think that most humans are going to be able to make the jump. Hmm. Back in the 90s, they said a billion and a half humans were already ready to make the jump. Damn. And they estimate that most or almost all humans will be able to make the jump. Now, the other problem, too, with humanity, and this is a weird thing about humanity, is humans are born without understanding their spiritual being. I mean, they have no recollection of previous lives or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you get into the reincarnation theory at all, but it all ties into this shit. Where basically the spiritual being gets recycled into a biological form over and over again until they reach enlightenment and they go up. Mm. Now, with this Malchizedek guy, back to the aliens, is he claims that in 1972, which is coincidentally the same year that he took possession of this random-ass guy's body, which is what he claims is going on, is that he is not the person he was. He claims that he is being incarnated by this trans-dimensional being. Mm-hmm. But in 1972, a solar flare was poised to knock out humanity. The aliens were aware of this, and there were aliens that have been keeping an eye on us. It could be our Council of Five that we were talking about on the previous episodes. But there was a group of aliens that cared about Earth enough that wanted to protect Earth. So basically what ended up happening was aliens, and it started off with the star system Sirius, which we were talking about. Aliens from that planet were like, hey, something bad's going to happen to Earth. we got to do something. we got to do something for them for them humans down there or else they're all getting wiped out <laughs> and everybody's like well shit you know they can't make the jump they won't be able to make the jump in time we got to do something we got to protect them now there's a there's a intergalactic law in place that says that you cannot interfere with the developing species kind of like in star trek like the prime directive sure they weren't supposed to interfere but they appealed to the galactic command and the galactic command said hey you know we get what you guys are saying we know they're not going to make the jump I think it's in our best interest if we go help, or at least we try to help. So they did a whole bunch of different things. They ended up creating like a force field around the Earth right before the solar flare happened. And according to Jerome Valo Melchizedek, the solar flare happened on August 7th, 1972. And that was supposed to be the end of humanity. It was supposed to be that day. However, they got the shit together in time, the force field together, and it blocked the impact of a solar flare. Now, what's interesting is that the solar flare actually happened, and they said it was like the worst solar flare that humans have ever been tracking, because they were trying to track this type of thing back then on Earth. Humans have. Right. And it actually happened. This this is like documented whatever. Right. Supposedly, it was supposed to be so much worse, but only people that were that had equipment equipped to track the type of thing were able to detect it, and it didn't have the kind of impact on the Earth at all because it got shielded. Right. Which makes you wonder, like, how the hell hasn't our electrical grid gotten crashed by a solar flare before? Council of Five, man. I think it's a Council of Five. I think it's or Sirius or whoever. I guess there were 
were a hundred different species that got together and contributed technology to stop this type of thing. Man. But it is crazy to think about that the soy flare actually happened. And this guy kind of called that it. That is interesting. Now, he kind of called it in retrospect, but still. Right. So he claims that the aliens saved the universe. Now, he also claims in all of this is that that event was not supposed to happen. That was not something that, like, the space-time continuum accounted for. So he claims that, like a prophet like Nostradamus or some of these other guys out there that have done predictions for the end of the world. He claims that their work is now invalid because they did not know that the aliens were going to coalesce and stop that solar flare from happening. Right. So their end of the world should have been that solar flare in 1972, August 7th. That didn't happen. Now, this Malchizedek guy who coincidentally showed up on the scene in 1972 claims that he is now... Like the next like guiding force or whatever. Mm. And he's still alive. He's only 80 years old today, so he's still doing videos he's and shit. He's still doing it. So that guy's out there. But he's got some crazy-ass theories. Now, he also gets into the gray aliens a little bit. Now, is he still, I don't want to say possessed, but is yeah is Malchizedek from the Bible still in this guy? Basically. Okay. Now, Malchizedek might be like a group of people. It might not just be one person. And that was alluded to. Malchizedek was talked about in the book of Hebrews, which would have been post-gospel is when Malchizedek gets talked about. Okay. And in that book, according to what interpretation you read, Jesus was referred to as of the order of Malchizedek as well. Mm. So maybe this guy, maybe not the second coming of Christ, but maybe a similar type of prophet. Sure. You know, like Islam recognizes Jesus as a prophet. Anyways, so that's this Malchizedek guy. And he gets into secret societies a little bit. Very interesting. He says that the great aliens are working with secret societies on Earth because the great aliens have ignored their spirituality and to the point where they've been trying to solve all their problems via intellect. Well, they've gotten so deep that they can never make the jump. And that, that's been like the slow demise of their entire race has been the fact that they can't make the jump. If you think about it, the the ancients were probably able to make the jump because they were so one with, you know, spirituality. Probably. And the earth and the skies and shit like that. You know, that's a really good, that is a really good point. And to that end, like today we look at how science has been taken over or the idea of science the idea that science trumps everything. And that's how they built the damn pyramids. Exactly. They were able to create their own reality and make those damn pyramids. Sure. Without using machinery, without the dinosaurs. Sure. They were able to make the leap. That could be. Now, there's also a theory out there that the aliens created the pyramids to stabilize the world. Sure. Because the, the there was a wobble in the uh, orbit or something. Now, we're going to get too far off track. But we got to talk, <laughs> talk about the pyramids soon. Sure. Like a full pyramid episode because there's so much shit going on with that. Yeah, sure. We can do that. Anyways, my last theory real quick. I got to get this one in real quick. Jane Roberts was a New York poet back in the 1960s who was basically messing around with an Ouija board and she ended up finding this spirit that claims to be an interdimensional being named Seth who... It's some basically some guy that she was talking to. Like she claimed that she was talking to this guy like until she died in the eighties. What a name! So Seth, S E T H, Seth is some like weirdo, just like interventional being that claims that he was sent to help humanity along, kind of like how this Malkiza that guy was. Sure. Now the difference between the Seth guy is he says that everything that's going on in our interventional plane is our imagination, basically. He says that when we think about something, we can only understand what we can perceive, so we create our own realities. Now, according to Seth, using that logic, when a human sees a UFO, they don't actually see a UFO. They're seeing someone else's thought projections, like bumping up against their own. And usually that's something else, like a far away, like an alien entity. Mm. And it manifests as a UFO, but it's not actually a UFO. Now, I kind of butchered that whole story. I had a whole thing I was going to read, but we're way out of time with Seth. But there is a book out there called My Talks with Seth by Jane Roberts. Apparently, it's pretty 
weird. And this guy goes into all this other bullshit. But anyways, that's what interesting. Got? What else you got? I mean, that's basically it. Yeah, we kind of fast forwarded our way through that discussion, but oh, it was good. It's yeah, pretty interesting. really interesting. There's so much. We could do a part two just on... Just on these theories. The origins of aliens. Right. There's a whole lot of the interdimensional shit. I kind of go along with it to an extent because we just don't know. We don't have any clue. Yeah, and like I was saying the other day um, with the whole wormhole theory. Sure. Uh, how aliens could be controlling their spacecraft remotely. Exactly. Because those wormholes are so fragile. Exactly, and there's no there's no rule saying that... Because those they defy the laws of physics as we know them, obviously. Sure. It's just incredible how fast they move and how they can change directions, point of directions so quickly. Sure. It's like it's almost like someone's playing a damn video game. Exactly. And then, I don't know, I just, I think that there is no rule saying that the unidentified flying objects have to be occupied. Yeah, they I agree. They could easily be drones. Easily. We don't know. Like, like I said, like, like I said, like why, why, why do they gotta keep coming? Exactly. Like they could observe from from there. Like why do they? Like how 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 how, how often do they gotta come here? Well, the other thing too is that even with that Malkizadek guy, he said that the Greys were working with like elite world leaders who were trying to create their own starships to fly off the planet when Cass arrived. And according to Malkizadek, like fifty percent of the UFOs they had seen are actually that program. It's the elite covert space travel program flying around their own spaceships crazy according to Malkizadek so I think the greys I mean I'm honestly like hardcore into these gray aliens right now I think there's something going on hell yeah because they pop up everywhere mm-hmm. every single theory has a gray alien theory and the trends seem to align really well even with people that talk about un- things that you would think would be unrelated right anyways does that about conclude it for this part I think that wraps it up the origins of aliens part eight Aliens Part 8, yes. I think it's a good discussion, all things considered. Go back and check out all of our other Alien episodes, too. Yes, please check out our Alien episodes. Also, if you like this episode, I would say that the remote viewing episode is almost an Aliens episode. Yeah. Almost. I would say the Bob Lazar episode is almost an Aliens episode. Definitely. And we've got a few more back there um, that kind of deal with the Aliens to some degree. Even the Coincidences episode, episode number 41, that one was in the ballpark. Sure. So, please check out all those episodes. We had a lot of really interesting topics. If you have any alien theories, tweet us at 30 in the... Yes, please tweet us at 30 in the... Um, comment on our Facebook page. Comment on our Facebook page. If you're friends with me on Snapchat, comment. I've been sharing it on my Snapchat. I did get one person uh, sent me a message today. It's someone I've never met before. Like She's like a friend of a friend, basically. Mm-hmm. And she said that our show was her most listened to podcast of her entire year this year. That's awesome. And she was very happy to share it with us. So thank you to our listeners that are liking our stuff and letting us know. We really appreciate that. I was kind of surprised that someone spent 2,000 minutes of their life that I've never even met before listening to our show. That's awesome. Thank so that you was so great. much. That was great. Anyways, um, we got to get out of here. So please tweet us at 30 and please share us on Facebook. Peace. Peruvian mummy that's at least 800 years old found by archaeologists in Lima. 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 <laughs> well, around here it's pronounced Lima. Yeah, I know. So why the hell? I, what the fuck? A mummy <sighs> estimated to be between 800 and 1200 years old and even precedes the Inca civilization who established Peru's best known citadel of Machu Picchu in the 15th century. Machu Picchu. Machu Picchu. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm gonna stop now. No, correct me, I don't know how to say this shit. Okay. You're the historical nut. I don't know about that. You belong in a tree. Get it? Nut. Tree. Oh my god. Yeah.
the discovery of this resonant. Yeah, it's from CNN. Um, there's always, there's always a sun. Ah, uh, cot. Oh my god, my brain just like broke for a second. There's always like, you know what? Fuck, I'm not even gonna say what I was gonna say. Cot. <laughs> it's gonna be our worst episode. 